Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Welcome to this after-school special edition of Movie House Concessions here on the MHM Podcast Network. Each episode, we pull a random film from the display case to see if it is as inspirational as the day it was released. I'm Chad. And I'm Patrick. And for this episode, we're reviewing 1969's All Monsters Attack, directed by Ishiro Honda and written by Sunichi Sekizawa and starring... Tamanori Yazaki, Kenji Sahara, and Mochinko Naka. And uh, before we begin and go too much further, I have a summary for this fine film. Ichiro Miki is a lonely young boy who lives in a very rundown Kawasaki, Japan. Ichiro's parents are constantly working to make a comfortable life for their family in such a devastated neighborhood. Ichiro's only friends are a young girl, Saikiko, and his toy maker neighbor, Shinpai Inami. To escape his lonely life and cope with being bullied by his fellow school children, Ichiro dreams of being shipped off to Monster Island, where he watches Godzilla battle various adversaries, like everyone's favorite red lobster, Ebera, a trio of praying mantises called Kamakuras, Gorosawas, Manda the Dragon, Aguirus, and a giant condor. At the end of his dream, Godzilla staves off two Kamakaras, but Ichiro is chased into a cave by the third. Ichiro is rescued in the cave by his own lassie in the form of Manila. That's right, Godzilla's son is back. The youngsters become instant friends and easily communicate with each other. Ichiro learns that Manila is dealing with his own bully, Gabara, a giant ogre. Ichiro is immediately awakened by Shinpai, who tells Ichiro that his parents will be working late, leaving Ichiro home alone until the next day. Meanwhile, two bank robbers who stole 500 million yen are hiding out in an abandoned building near Ichiro's apartment. When Ichiro goes into the dilapidated building to play in the ruins, he finds a driver's license that belongs to one of the robbers. The robbers spot the young lad messing with the wallet and begin to track his movements. A very caring toy maker, Shinpai, feeds Ichiro a filling dinner, which causes the young boy to need an immediate nap. And I know that feeling. <laughs> Ichiro begins dreaming about a return to Monster Island where he and Manila reunite. The youngsters watch Godzilla and Ebera play volleyball with a giant boulder before tussling underwater. Next, Godzilla is seen destroying Kumanga, a giant spider, before being attacked by military fighter jets. After Godzilla swats the fighter jets away, he is put into a hostile situation with Manila's nemesis, Gabara. Manila decides to face off with Gabara one-on-one, but the battle was short-lived, with Gabara embarrassing the little monster, and Godzilla takes his protege off and gives him a familiar training session. 
Ichiro is startled and pulled from his dream world by the two bank robbers. The thieves kidnap Ichiro, try to find a getaway car, but struggle to make a clean break. Ichiro floats back into his dream world during all of this drama, where Manila battles with Gabara one more time. A determined Manila uses his speed against the much larger monster, but struggles to win the contest. Godzilla coaches Manila from the side and eventually engages with Gabara himself. With Ichiro's help, Manila climbs up a cliff and springboards Gabara away for a personal victory. However, Gabara wasn't done just yet. The angry ogre returns and tries to take down the king of all monsters, but Gabara's attempt to take down the king is dashed away by Godzilla's electric battling skills. Gabara, the big bad bully, retreats in fear, leaving Manila alone forever. Ichiro is again awakened by the robbers, but the boy is now full of courage and inspiration thanks to Manila's big win. The robbers go on the run with their young hostage, but the engine in their getaway car has issues, allowing Ichiro to escape into an abandoned building. While Ichiro is chased by the robbers, his toy maker neighbor, Shinpai, is also able to locate the running car with the stolen money in the front seat. Ichiro's friend calls the police, who come to help the lad. While chasing Ichiro through the building, one of the robbers hurts his leg and is put out of commission. The other robber tries to knife Ichiro, but Ichiro turns the tables and sprays the robber with a fire extinguisher. Ichiro escapes from the building, leading the baddies directly to the cops, and they are arrested. The next day, Ichiro is challenged by the bullies from his school. A confident Ichiro channels his inner Manila, stands up to the bullies, and defeats them in a minor, minor skirmish. Ichiro proves to the bullies that he is no longer a pushover, and all the school kids become friends. The end. <laughs> okay, Patrick, do you want to run through the stats for this fine film while I dream about Monster Island? Certainly. Uh, all Monsters Attack, also known as Godzilla's Revenge, which I think is if you drink water in Mexico, if I remember <laughs> correctly. But um, Released in Japan on December 20th, 1969, their Christmas present to the world. Uh, it was released in the United States on December 8th, 1971. <laughs> so two years later. Uh, when it was released in Japan, films that were released that same year, 1969, were Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, uh, the Love Bug, Midnight Cowboy, Easy Rider, Hello Dolly, True Grit, and Cactus Flower. Uh, it grossed 260 million yen in Japan, uh, which I don't know if that's a lot, but it was that's approximately 1.48 million tickets sold, which was still a decrease from the previous low of Destroy All Monsters. Uh, IMDb has this one at 3.9 out of 10 on its score rating and Rotten Tomatoes has it at 25% critics and 17% audience. And that is the numbers I have on all monsters attack, man. They didn't even get to the amount of money. The robbers stole. Damn. That sucks. No, they did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Patrick was saying in December of 1969, Toho studios distributed the 10th film in the Godzilla franchise. This time, they asked Godzilla and his son Manila to inspire children during the holiday season. 
They did so by using minutes and minutes of stock footage from other films, along with a very human storyline. And some people would say better films. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's start with the little monster who leads this film, Patrick. That would be Ichiro Mitsuki, portrayed by Tomonori Yazaki. The filmmakers continue to ensure humans have a considerable amount of storyline in these films. How do you feel about this film being centered around one human character, and more specifically, this young boy, Ichiro? I, you know, I thought I'd seen this one, and I, this was a first for me. I had never seen it before. And, and I can assure you now I'll never see it again. Uh, but it, I was like, at, at some point there's going to be monsters in your monster movie, right? You know, and other than dream sequences, which was very obviously just stock footage from previous Godzilla and monster films, it was really, really disappointing. And the changing scale of Manila was driving me up the wall. At one point, he's the same uh, size as a child. And then he's standing half the size of Godzilla a moment later. And, I'm like, so is Godzilla just the size of an, a, a normal adult? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I can't disagree. Yeah. I yeah. I don't think I had seen this one either. Once I started watching it, I'm like, okay, this isn't even a monster movie. This is a little kid having a fantasy. Yeah, and, uh, and I wasn't focusing on the kid so much because I kept thinking this is going to go to something grander. And then... After about 40, you know, well, it's only an hour and nine minutes long, but after about half hour into it, I said, no, this is the film. It's like, <laughs> this is bad. This is like, I have, I have immediately, I've lost interest in whatever the remaining 39 minutes are, because this is what it's going to be is just him having dream sequences, talking to Manila, which by again, once again, is my least favorite monster. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I'm thinking during the initial probably 10, 20 minutes is, uh, Kawasaki is really, really destroyed. It's very rundown. It's very ugly. Uh, the apartment building that Ichiro lives in, I'm tr still trying to figure out how the the structure of that place was because it looked like he had to go through his uh, neighbor's, uh, Shinpai's apartment to get into his own apartment yeah. or something of that nature. It just seemed really, really bizarre. So I was hoping, you know, okay, I can understand a dream sequence or two at the beginning. But I was hoping that they would flash back and say Godzilla or even the other monsters of some kind are the ones who caused all this. But they never did. It's just he lives in a shithole. And that's basically <laughs> it. Well, I mean, I, I guess I have to give credit for it because like after watching this film and doing the research for it, that there are people out there who think this is one of the best of the series and or think it's an exceptionally underrated film because there, this was an attempt at social commentary about the, 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 the more commonality of latchkey kids in the 1960s. And, but I don't think that commentary necessarily lends itself very well to a monster movie, if you will. And it, so I appreciate the ambition. I think the execution was, it, it, they faltered very heavily. I, I agree. I, it's, I just, I'm like you, it's once you watch and you realize this is actually what they were trying to do. You appreciate it, but yet it's like this is so far out of left field compared to all the rest of the monster movies. It just doesn't make sense. Right. Because like we commented on the last time we dealt for probably the second or third time, you had aliens versus humans or earthlings, if you will. And now we're dealing with, hey, just earthlings, but yet they're 
monsters may not really exist. They may just all be in a dream world. We don't know because we don't really even know why he's even dreaming about monsters because we don't know if he sees them in a movie theater and they're in his dreams or were they the ones who destroyed the city he lives in? You don't know. They never set that precedent. No, they don't. And it's, I mean, I, I can't say the kid was a bad actor, uh, okay. you know, because, you know, I was seeing the Japanese language. So uh, I, yeah, I was getting the English interpretation. And as we know from the last one, that may not be accurate, but, <laughs> but it, it, you know, like I, I, I wasn't investing my time and really paying an attention to him because I thought he wasn't going to be that important. I thought he was just the access to the film and then we were going to get on to bigger and better things. But no, he is the crux of the film. Exactly. Well, Ichiro's pretend friend in this film is Godzilla's son, Manila, who we all know Patrick loves. Uh, Ichiro easily communicates with Manila in his dream world because Manila is, by extension, um, Ichiro's persona. And both characters are striving to be just as strong and well-liked as Godzilla. Do you feel this component of the storyline played out well, and could it be inspiring to you or someone else out there? I thought it was heavy-handed in its approach, of its, of its message. Uh, and once again, it's, okay, stand up to the bully by punching them in the face. I, you know, I, I don't know if that is too PC today as it was in 1969, but... You, you, my access point is a kid I don't know, and the and the monster I can't can't care less about, and the you know they're 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 equivalent. I want to see more Godzilla, and I would like to have seen more unique things with Godzilla, not just a couple scenes, is is what they did here, you know. And and much like all monsters attack, sorry, much as uh, destroy all monsters, you have a lot of monsters in this film, but they're never really together on screen because they're using the stock footage and you know and most of the time they're fighting just among themselves so that there's no stakes involved in fact nobody in the human race is ever really threatened in this film other than the kid based off, uh, by the two robbers uh who I, I i don't know if they were ever really intending to kill him other than when uh towards the end when they're playing like uh, home alone which by the way i watched this and i went oh is this where chris columbus got his script for you know <laughs> Same here. I agree with you completely because it did. The, when we're recording this, it's near the Christmas season. I've seen Home Alone way too many times, so it started to blend in really. Oh really yeah, quickly. I mean the 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 kind of traps he's setting and everything like that. I mean, it's ridiculous how close this is to a, a Home Alone script. In fact, Home Home Sweet Home Alone would have been a better film if they would have adapted this and had some monsters. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, Godzilla and his fellow monsters, uh, they had a good amount of screen time, but as you said, these scenes were retreads from Ebera, Horror of the Deep, Son of Godzilla, King Kong Escapes, and Destroy All Monsters. And I believe the only original scenes were those that incorporate Gabara in them. So do you feel this practice, which isn't really new, we've seen it done in previous movies, does it cheapen this movie? And we see multiple versions of Godzilla, and as you mentioned, Manila, in their various suits throughout the course of this movie. So does that cheapen it even further for us? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. but I would say the biggest cheapening is the fact that the monsters aren't really there. This is a kid's fantasy. 
I mean, uh, there, there are certain films that, you know, like there's, to me, I'm not invested. I want to see monsters. And this is just a kid who's in no danger from in the monster world at any point in time. And there's no stakes because they're, they're basically all his friends. You know, he, he's visited Fraggle Rock for all intents and purposes. And it, and it didn't, and it's, it's not intimidating. It's not frightening. It's not scary. Uh, so yeah, I do think, it, I, I think it's made worse by the fact that you just took, you know, stock footage from other movies and, you know, shoehorned it in here to, to create some battle sequences between random monsters, but it, it, it doesn't move. It's almost like it's a dance number because it doesn't move the story forward because it's not part of the story. It's just this kid's imagination. The real story is what happens when he's awake. Right. Right. And even with that, you often wonder, okay, his dad was a railroader and I don't remember what his mom did. You'll have to refresh in my memory on that one. But I would be more worried about why this kid is left alone all the time. I understand they have to work for money to, you know, do the best they can in this <laughs> shitty society that they're living in. But they're just leaving this little kid with an absolute stranger every day. Now, there's a social commentary that if anybody wanted to talk about, let's talk about that at some point in time. Now, granted, let's not do it in the middle of a damn monster movie. That's the thing. I mean, it just really, really bugged me watching this. Well, I mean, as we've always talked about, the man versus nature of the first couple of films actually played very well to the, the monster component of it. You know, this commenta- commentary on two working parents and a latchkey, a latchkey kid, it doesn't lend itself to monsters, you know, or having a convincing monster storyline. You know, and as to what his mother did, I, I, I almost want to say she worked at a beauty salon. I mean, it's very briefly yeah. at the beginning when police come and inform them that the robbers stole the money and... Um, and she calls the neighbor or she talks to her son, but you know, you don't see her until the end when she feels guilty because her son almost died because the robbers almost killed it. Yeah. And I mean, you see the father at the beginning on his uh, railroad car and then you see him at the end on his railroad car and that's it. I mean, you don't even get any res- real resolution of anything with the parents and that's what's even shittier. I mean, they could have even adapted that into the whole Godzilla training Manila thing or being a good parent, which they tried in the son of Godzilla movie. Yeah. It's just really, really bizarre. All the different avenues they took in that one. Well, and even then the father appearing at the end, the father appears back on the train and interjects when the guy who got the paint spilled all over him by his son, because his son has now become a juvenile delinquent. I, I, from my impression of that and is running away, he's running interference for that. So once again, is this uh, is this just further extension of the, hey, if you're not there watching your kids, they're going to get crime prone and do stupid <laughs> shit against other people? You know, I, I I don't know what that ultimately means. I know it's supposed to be playing for comedy, but I thought it was pretty weak comedy. I did, it was it's like they the the bullies were trying to bully him into doing that earlier in the film, and he didn't do it, which is the honorable thing. And then he stands up to the bullies, and then he does. <laughs> what they were trying to get him to do earlier. Like what message was that? Yep. And then they're all friends happily yeah, ever yes. after. Well, uh, except the, maybe the girl that he was walking to school with who always wanted him on the straight and narrow. She kind of looked kind of shocked. Yeah. It, really, really weird, bizarre all over the place messages with this one. It was odd. Well, Ichiro Honda was brought in to direct all aspects of this film, keeping it on a budget and on a very tight schedule. This is the same man who wrote and directed Gojira 15 years earlier. 
What are your thoughts about Mr. Honda's approach towards this franchise now after reviewing this film? And we know he isn't done yet. So where do you think he's at with this? Is he just cashing a paycheck or is he actually still trying to make something credible? Well, I I think he was trying to make something credible because once again, he did try to make some sort of commentary, but it wasn't that effective of a commentary. I mean, I, th- I guess you could have talked to, you could have gone once you could have gone to, let's talk about, you know, the, the climate or your, you could possibly just retread man versus nature, but this, the latchkey kid component didn't do very well. And he was also trying to make, it's a kid's film. I mean, this is more so than anything else is a kid's film. You know, Manila's talking in Japanese, but in English to us, you know, <laughs> And, you know, that has never happened at any point during the film. And it's just so ridiculous. I mean, I thought I was watching a worse version of H.R. Puff and stuff from the the (laughs) early 70s. It's just, you know, where's where's the talking flute? Uh, (laughs) And then to make it even funnier, I understand Gaboro was supposed to be the big bad monster in this one to go against uh, Manila and Godzilla. But. It was such a cheesy costume. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the cheesier ones they came up with. It looks like Chet the Poop Monster from the movie Weird Science in a way. It's really, really bad. Uh, and I understand they're just trying to equate it to a little boy's vision of a bully. But it's not even a credible monster. If you wanted to make it a monster movie, I mean, okay, I'll give you a little bit of slack. If you want to say it's a dream, it's a dream. But they could have voiced spend a couple bucks on a more interesting looking or scary type of uh costume well but i'll still say it's far and away a better costume than manila okay. <laughs> I, I still because that's a play-doh you know like somebody threw some play-doh with some eyes on it and said there's there's son of godzilla it's like no that's what comes out of godzilla <laughs> <laughs> okay i don't think we're going to go backwards from that one so no. we're doing good. All right, well, from there on, uh, let's give our final thoughts on this film, and I'll have you let us all know, Patrick. Is All Monsters Attack as fresh as the day it was released, or does it leave a burnt taste in your mouth? And how do you rank it from one to five stars? Uh, This one's easy. I give it half a star, and this is why it gets half a star. It was 69 minutes long, at least... (laughs) Because I went, what? This is only six. This is like a, a an hour of television. And I went, oh, my God, this is taking too long to get through this. Oh, it's over. Thank God. So I'll give it half a star for at least not being a 90 minute movie, because if they would have stretched this premise out another 21 minutes, I might have wanted to shoot myself. It was it was a horrible, horrible film. I don't recommend it. Uh, the low point of the Godzilla films that we've reviewed to this date easily. I must agree. I was. I just said one star just to be super generous at the fact that it's in the Godzilla franchise, but I agree with you. It's not even worth one, really, a half at best. And I agree, having it only be 68, 69 minutes was a godsend because it was like, yeah, I can't make it much longer through this. We've sat through some 90-minute ones before where I'm having to chop them into 45 minute chunks just to make it through them. And if I had to do it with this one, I don't know if I wouldn't went back for the second 45. So just one of those things. Yeah. You know, I do have to say, because once again, we're watching this in our criterions. I would love to have seen a commentary about this because if there's people out there who think this is a great film, I want someone to explain it to me that what I'm missing, (laughs) 
Like, what am I I not getting in this? And a commentary would be really interesting because I'd love to see people try to justify this film and how. Yeah. Yeah. I think Honda would have had such a soft heart by this time for anyone, especially someone like Ichiro. I think he would have tried to justify it in a commentary and it would have been interesting to listen to how he justified it. Yeah, could have been. Yep. Well, that is it for our review of All Monsters Attack. Please let us know if, what you think of this film in the comments section on our website and rate it from one to five stars. If there's a film you'd like for us to review, please send us an email to comments at moviehousememories.com and give us your name, location, and film choice. Please follow the MHM Podcast Network on YouTube, Twitter, and Stitcher to stay abreast of all the network's latest releases. You can find all of our podcasts exclusively on our YouTube channel. So go over there, give us a listen. Please give us a thumbs up, a rating, follow us, and stay in the network with us. Last but certainly not least, please use the Amazon link on our website, moviehousememories.com, to buy all of your Godzilla needs. If you would like to own the Criterion Collection of the God of the Showa era Godzilla films, like Patrick and I are reviewing today, please pick up a copy at our online store, mhmmart.com. Well, that does it for this episode of Movie House Concessions. Until next time, I'm Chad. I'm Patrick. This concession stand is now closed, and you guys are invited. <laughs> what? I had to do it different. Okay. This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The song Rock On Brudda is brought to you by Marwan Nimra at natintine.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Movie House Concessions, the MHM Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted. <laughs>